A dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. John Calvin. Get in the long team with a bunch of demons. We believe that human beings are demons. No, I do not. And don't you ever say I did. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. There's probably a, a balance between, I believe you have to know Christ, but... God, he's in hell. He is. And someone knows this for sure. All of mankind is going to end up somewhere in heaven. <laughs> Really is to just help people of faith, especially, to re-examine this issue, to realize the church has got things wrong in the past. For those who are gods by faith in his son. <laughs> Corinthians, right? 2 Corinthians 3, 7. Victory in the name which is above every name. There's no exception for rape or incest. Uh, it's an extreme law. <laughs> Right now, bones, ligaments, tendons, in Jesus' name, get out here right now. So put your trust in the sovereign risen king, who doesn't owe you one cotton picking thing. And yet he still promises to furnish his disciples, but we take what he's created and we turn him into idols. I'll never back down, so how can I keep it in? But you'll never see me preaching the sin of TBM. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Master's Dog, episode number 42. I am your host, The Evangelical Norm. Uh, Master's Dog is my podcast where I respond to uh, people who twist the word of God, cults, uh, false teachings, heretics, uh, prosperity, you name it, I respond if I can, if I feel like it's something that I need to respond to. Born out of a podcast called the time it was the three Mormons. Now they are the saint. They are saints unscripted, and they have a series that they do in their podcast called Faith and Beliefs. When I saw them doing this, they started with the Articles of Faith. I said I will respond to every one of these videos as long as they have this to either refute, which it started out called Faith and Beliefs refuted, um, either refute that or correct or. As you'll see today, go, well, it's really a kind of nothing burger kind of situation. It's not something that we really concern ourselves with much as Christian apologists or evangelists. Um, But yet still, I will respond to every single one of them uh, intentionally. So today we are back to faith and beliefs. Um, 
we are going to respond. There's a couple other people that I'll be getting to some episodes. I'm just kind of, I know it's strange for me actually doing some prep on some of these. So there's a couple false teachers out there that I really want to kind of get my ducks in a row as I respond to some of the things they say, um, where they are truly taking and twisting God's word. And, uh, and as the master's dog, I'm going to bark. So that being said, today we are going to jump in and we are going to let David, our good friend over here, take us into uh, the issue of Oliver Cowdery and whether or not his witness, did he ever recant his witness? He was one of the three witnesses of the Book of Mormon um, and the 11 and whether or not he really saw the plates or not and that's actually you see the title there did he see that we actually never really deal with that particular um question <laughs> but whether or not he ever recanted on his testimony with so with that being said let's go ahead and let david do what david do and then we will come along and respond so here is david hey guys so at the beginning of every Book of Mormon is the testimony of the three witnesses who claimed that an angel came down from heaven and he brought and laid before our eyes that we beheld and saw the plates and the engravings thereon. That's a big deal because previously Joseph had been commanded not to show the ancient Book of Mormon record to anyone. But suddenly all these people are saying, I've seen it. You've seen it. Yes. You haven't seen it. Well. Okay, so did Joseph somehow trick them? Were they lying and co-conspirators with Joseph? Psych? As in gotcha. Or could it be possible that they were just telling the truth? Woody was telling the truth! What have we done? Great, now I have guilt! In this episode, we're gonna take a closer look at one of the three witnesses, Oliver Cowdery. So, let's... Just kind of flesh that out just a little bit. Um, he gives some options. Were they um, were they deceived? I think that's absolutely possible. Were they co-conspirators? That's pretty much possible too. Um, were they telling the truth? Here we get into a little bit. Just the maybe. I doubt it. I I don't believe it. Um, simply because one, I mean, there's so many things that have been laid out about the weight of the golden plates. Uh, so many things. I mean, there's a lot of other podcasts that we've done. There's no way Joseph was able, would have ever been able to, as was descripted in the story and the history of the church, run and carry these under his arm and, and so on the way that it's described that he did because they would weigh far, far, far too much for him to do something like that. Um, again, the fact that the witnesses said they saw them through the eye of faith is a, a statement that is a little bit disconcerting um, because, again, they're seeing something that Others may not have seen because they did not have the eye of faith. There's other rumors and stuff like that. So I'm leaning towards, I really honestly think that a lot of this may have been demonic uh, deception. Um, 
I would not completely rule out co-conspirator because here again, the difference between these guys and the apostles, these guys weren't, I mean, Joseph Smith was killed in, in Carthage jail, um, but he was fighting back. He was not willingly going to his death over, and it wasn't even over the Book of Mormon. It was over his destruction of the Nauvoo Expositor printing press um, and other things, polygamy and so on, that it wasn't over the validity of the Book of Mormon. The apostles all went to their deaths, continuing to proclaim that Jesus was resurrected, the resurrected Lord, even to the point of Paul not wanting to be crucified in the same manner as Jesus was. So he was crucified upside down. These guys mostly all went to die of old age. Um, now, whether or not they continued on with their testimony, that's one thing or another. Many of them left or were excommunicated from the church. So, again, it, it leaves some issues that we're just not sure of. So, I would lean toward deceived or co-conspirator far before I would go, well, they're just telling the truth. Oliver Cowdery was born in Vermont in 1806 and was a second cousin to Joseph Smith. In 1828, he took a job as a school teacher in Palmyra, New York. He boarded with Joseph Smith's parents for a while, heard about Joseph's golden plates, went to meet Joseph for the first time in Harmony, Pennsylvania in 1829, where he became Joseph's scribe for the Book of Mormon translation. In June 1829, he became one of the three witnesses. In the 1830s, Oliver's finances took a hard hit with the failure of the Kirtland Safety Society Bank, and he had a falling out with Joseph. Oliver resigned and was excommunicated from the church in 1838. According to researcher Richard Anderson, during Oliver's non-Mormon decade, he was also a politician, journalist, promoter of education, and civic servant. The opinions of his friends of this period show clearly that he was widely respected as a man of more than ordinary stature. Between about 1840 and 1847, Oliver was a practicing lawyer. Don't mess with me, man! I'm a lawyer! A man named William Lang was Oliver's apprentice for a while, and would later serve as a judge mayor and an Ohio state senator. Take a second to pause and read his description of Oliver. In 1848, Oliver returned to the church, but was unable to join the saints in Utah. After being bedridden for much of 1849, he died of a lung condition in March 1850. But despite leaving the faith for a decade, Oliver never once retracted his powerful witness of seeing the ancient Book of Mormon plates and the angel. In fact, like the other two witnesses, Oliver re-emphasized the truthfulness of his testimony on his deathbed. So to get around Oliver's witness, skeptics search for reasons to be able to say, <laughs> He's obviously lying. Of course, Oliver knew that had already happened and would continue to happen. In a letter to his brother-in-law, Oliver wrote, I have cherished a hope, and that one of my fondest, that I might leave such a character as those who might believe in my testimony after I should be called hence, might do so, not only for the sake of the truth, but might not blush for the private character of the man who bore that testimony. But despite Oliver's cherished hope, some people think that his use of a divining or dousing rod is good reason to question his character. Dousing was a folk practice commonly employed in Oliver's day to locate groundwater or minerals, among other things. 
It was associated with the Christian faith healing practices of the Pennsylvania Dutch. We don't know what Oliver used his for or how often. And if you're interested, you can buy dowsing rods online today for about 20 bucks. Even major water companies surprisingly still use this technique. Doctrine and Covenants 8 says Oliver's ability to use the rod or the gift of Aaron to receive revelation was a gift from God. And the scriptures are full of examples of God allowing the use of physical aids when receiving revelation or performing miracles. And sometimes what works for one person doesn't for the next. For example, in Pharaoh's court, Aaron's staff became a serpent by the power of God. By the power of not God, the magicians did the same thing with their rods. Priests did the same thing. But my ability with the staff maxes out at amateur renditions of Meal Bamboo. What some people call magic divination, others call divine revelation. For example, the apostles replaced Judas by casting lots, which today might look like flipping a coin or rolling dice. But they believed God manifested his will through that medium and Frankly, God can do whatever he wants. Claiming someone believes in magic and is therefore out of touch with reality and untrustworthy is an incredibly easy accusation to make against anyone who's religious. At the end of the day, Oliver was either tricked, lying, or telling the truth about the plates. The witness of Oliver and others is so consistent and so strong that even some of the most popular antagonistic authors from Joseph's day until now seem convinced that the witnesses were not simply lying but they at least thought they were telling the truth. Their theories are that Joseph was a skilled magician or wizard, or Joseph hypnotized the witnesses or unconsciously induced hallucinations, or that the witnesses only imagined their experience, that it was a dreamlike vision and not physical reality. That's right, because Charlie thinks that this whole thing actually happened. People advanced similar theories while Oliver was still alive, to which he responded, it was a clear, open, beautiful day, far from any inhabitants, in a remote field at the time we saw the record, of which has been spoken, brought and laid before us by an angel arrayed in glorious light. Now, if this is human juggling, judge ye. Check out the links in the description for more info on this, and enjoy this montage of statements from and about Oliver Cowdery. Feel free to pause and read as many as you'd like. Okay, we're not, well, we're paused, but... We're not, uh, again, so here's the deal. Nobody that I know has ever used, I didn't even know that Oliver used a dowsing rod until he brought it up. Now the question is, is what did he use it for? Because if he used it in any way like Joseph did, now I know that people do this to find water and, and blah, 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 minerals, whatever. If he's using it to find treasure the way Joseph did with his seer stone, and especially if he was misleading people and conning people as joseph smith did oh well it was here but the spirits moved it blah 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 then it doesn't impact the integrity but here's the thing i don't care how integritous oliver cowdery was or any of the other witnesses or anything to that effect the fact of the matter there is evidence that proves the book of mormon to be wrong so whatever it is that they thought they saw Again, part of the, the ability to validate texts of antiquity is bibliography. To be able to look back at manuscripts that exist of that compare, in comparison to what we have. Conveniently, the manuscript that Joseph translated from was taken to heaven by an angel and was only brought to them by an angel the angel had to bring it and show it to them 
So again, now any of this, if we look according to the Bible, this could absolutely be satanic. Even the devil uh, disguises himself as an angel of light. That is clearly in the Bible to the point that Joseph Smith and, well, the Mormon church had to change the introduction because Moroni was identified as an angel of light. And it was changed. <laughs> Again, all of this stuff where they're changing and they're hiding and they're, they're giving any sort of misdirection casts doubt upon the truth of what it is that they're trying to portray to you. And so, and then beyond that, all of the evidence that exists. And yeah, we talked about last week anachronisms and supposedly they're debunking these. But even if there's only 23% of the anachronisms that were originally identified that still exist in the Book of Mormon, that is anachronisms that prove the thing to be false. The, the teachings of the Mormon church, the fact that, that they absolutely, and don't let them tell you otherwise, they teach of a salvation by works. They are saved by grace after all they can do. If you're saved by grace after all you can do, you will never do enough, and it's pointless. It is, it is powerless to provide a salvation. If anything, if any of your salvation depends on anything you do on your own, you will fail. That is, that is absolutely true. Our salvation is based upon what Christ did for us and what Christ did alone. It is not our works that save us. It is not our works that keep us saved. All of that is done by Christ. Now, our, our, our salvation, uh, the, the grace that is given us, the faith that we have should produce works. If the faith is dead, it won't produce works because dead vines don't, doesn't produce fruit. A dead vine doesn't produce fruit. And you can't put fruit onto a dead vine and cause the vine to come alive again. That's what James is talking about when he says faith without works is dead. It's not the works that brings life to the faith. It's the living faith that produces the fruit, which is works. And those works, the uh, the Produced fruit does not make the vine the vine. The vine is the vine based upon what it is. And it does produce fruit because it is a vine. The works does not, the works that we produce in our Christian life do not save us, do not make us saved. It's the fact that we are saved that causes us to do good works. And, and again, that is not a legalistic thing. That is not federal vision. That is not anything. That is biblical truth. That living faith produced living, produces good works. And without that faith, you can do nothing. Apart from Christ, you can do nothing good. Even those righteous works that are done apart from Christ are filthy rags. Only the works that are produced through the salvation that we enjoy through Jesus Christ, only that is a product or is is what is true works and it's done out of our salvation it's not done for or anything else so all those things that the mormon church teaches the fact that it teaches that jesus is lucifer's brother and not his creator that he is uh you know at some point in time jesus began to be and well he eternally existed in his father's loins who apparently eternally existed in his father's loins and blah 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 and so on and so on and they tell four friends and they it, it, it does not work 
the logic behind Mormonism doesn't work. So I don't care if Oliver Cowdery went to his deathbed still adamantly claiming that he saw these plates. It makes no difference. The religion is false. It is a false religion following a false Christ, giving a false gospel, worshiping a false God that does not have the power to save. And so again, I would say, encourage my LDS friend who is watching this, run. Get away from this false religion. Go to your Bible. Read John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. Everything that the Mormon church teaches is upended by that section of scripture alone. And if you don't understand it, come and I will tell you. I will preach it again. I may throw it in one of these one of these episodes coming up in the Master's Talk just to do a straight out teaching of John chapter 1, 1 through 18 and how it completely refutes everything taught in the Mormon church. Maybe I'll do that next week. I will make that, I will do that next week. Stay tuned, maybe even in the next couple of days and I will give you that and I will lay it out. It's the same thing I preach every time I go down. I open air preach at the temple when I do evangelism during general conferences. I always preach that section of scripture. And so I'll do it for you. So my LDS friend, run. Run. Get away from this false religion. And to my Christian friend, as always, preach the gospel at all times. Use words. They are necessary. And until next time, Soli Deo Gloria. Mm-hmm.